What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Lightning Lamp Podcast. I'm here with Steve. Hello. And this is going to be our season finale. Well, technically, I guess, our season wrap-up. This will be the last episode we're considering an episode of the 2020-2021 season. Every episode from here on out will be 2021-2022 NHL season. Um, So before we get started, just wanted to... Uh, extend our uh, condolences uh, to the friends, family, teammates, and loved ones of the late goaltender for the Columbus Blue Jackets, Mattis Kivlenix. Um, he passed away in an unfortunate accident over Fourth of July weekend. So, um, just want to extend our, you know, thoughts and well wishes and and positive energy to his uh, friends, family, teammates, and loved ones. Uh, just a very unfortunate and tragic situation uh, for everyone involved. So. Um, we are thinking of him and uh, everyone involved, so um, just wanted to kind of mention that right off the bat uh, as well. You know, obviously, um, I just want to get this out of the way because I'm going to be saying some very not nice things <laughs> mm-hmm. about the Tampa Bay Lightning, okay? And I, I imagine that you might have some, some some thoughts on this as well, Steve. Mm-hmm. So I just want to get this out of the way. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning, okay? Regardless of the circumstances, repeating as Stanley Cup champions is never easy. In fact, I mean, we've only had, what, three teams do it in the last 25 years or so? Yeah, something like that. You know, because the Pens did it in 16-17, obviously the Lightning this year in 2020-21. And I think the last team before that was the Red Wings. So it's never an easy thing to do, okay? The Tampa Bay Lightning are, in their current state, the arguably the most talented team and the most skilled hockey team with elite players at every single position. I'm not taking any of that away from them. So congratulations on the, on the cup run. Congratulations on back-to-back. And, and just know that everything I'm about to say isn't necessarily coming from a place of hatred for the Tampa Bay Lightning, but rather a place of respect for the integrity and out of love of the game of hockey, more so. Because I would be mad about any team doing what the Lightning did, which I don't think needs to be explained at this point. I'm pretty sure everyone who watches hockey knows what happened, right? Right. So it's not necessarily out of a hatred for the Tampa Bay Lightning. It's more of because I care about the game so much. All of that being said, is it just me or does this feel like probably the least earned Stanley Cup that we've had in our current viewing time? I mean, I, it felt all but like, uh, like honestly, going to the season, it felt like there was no other team that was like the obvious favorite to win a Stanley Cup. And it's not even just because like they won last year. Tampa Bay won last year and kept most of the same roster intact, so... I don't know. It just like it wasn't much of a surprise to me, and I'm gonna be honest. I really didn't watch a lot of the playoff, like a lot of the Stanley Cup final after Montreal went down three nothing. I was like, well, that's that's that. I everybody, what everybody knew was gonna happen is gonna happen. You, you know, know, it's just when I say the least earned. Obviously, I'm I'm heavily referring to the situation with Nikita Kucherov and. 
Steven Stamkos. And, I, you know, listen, I get it, right? Tampa Bay Lightning fans are going to go to bat for their team. The NHL media has to act ignorant, you know? They have to act like this team did something special. And they did it completely 100% legit. They have to be that way. They can't acknowledge the situation. I get that, right? You can't go on air and start talking about it because the NHL doesn't want you to talk about it. But it's just not good, I think. It's not good for the game for this to be happening. It's not interesting. And like you even said, you know, even a diehard hockey fan like yourself was disinterested in the Stanley Cup Finals because it felt so cheap in a way, you know? And that's nothing yeah. on the Montreal Canadiens. It, it has more to do with the fact that the Lightning did what they did. You know, am I wrong about that? No, I mean, I loved watching the Habs underdog story, but as soon as the Lightning got to the Stanley Cup Final, I was like, all right, well, that's that then. Like, nobody's going to stop them now, you know? And, and it was just kind of boring. I don't know. To me, there was just a sense of, like, how can I get excited about this team knowing that they essentially did what they did, you know? Like, it's like watching the Houston Astros after the cheating scandal. Like, am I supposed to be excited to watch the Houston Astros? No. Am I supposed to be excited to watch a team ice a roster of $98 million? No. You know, it's just, it's ridiculous. And I also just want to go on record and say that Nikita Kucherov is one of the most classless players in the entire NHL, okay? The, the, the comments that he made after he won, I don't care how drunk he was, it's a joke, okay? He's an absolute loser for, for saying what he did. And really, in an odd way, it's kind of self-reflective on the fact that the Lightning were playing in what sounded like a dead building for a lot of the finals. Like, you shouldn't have to hand out noisemakers and rattle paddles to get your building to be loud in the Stanley Cup Finals. You shouldn't. But they did. Like, they had to. And Kucherov going out and saying, well, the Habs fans acted like they won the Cup after the Game 4 overtime winner. Yeah, your team just won a game in overtime in the Stanley Cup Finals. What did you expect them to do? Just, like, politely clap and then leave? Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what he was expecting. He's this just... is my problem with a lot of these teams that end up, like, becoming quote-unquote dynasty teams, right? I had the same issue with Drew Doughty after they won their second Stanley Cup in 2014 when they asked him... Uh, well, Drew, how did you feel about the season? He's like, oh, I knew back in February we were going to win a Stanley Cup. There's not a team in the league that could stand up against us, blah, blah, blah. Like, this was easy. And I was like, bro, shut the fuck up. Like, <laughs> you have to show some respect to the team that went out there, bro. Like, and John Cooper is also famous for this, so this might just be an extension of his personality finally, like, showing through the team. But, like, he's been a guy that's never willing to, like, give another team, like, credit when they beat him or they do something well and force his team to make mistakes his his thing is always well i'm you know we didn't do our thing but you know he never is willing to give credit to the team for actually like forcing his team to make mistakes you know and i just i think that's kind of shitty 
and by extension now his team is doing something similar you know it just really kind of bothers me like i get being confident right and i get having a sense of pride after winning back-to-back stanley cups but when you won it the way that you did in the way that you did knowing all of the controversy that you personally you nikita kucherov as a player have generated don't you think you would show a little bit of humility and a little bit of respect towards the montreal canadiens like don't you think after battling them for five games you would sit down and say you know what you know that was one of the best runs we've ever seen from an underdog i mean they were the eighth seed to get all the way to here against all those teams that had to be you know good for them what a great season you know great series no like you sit down and all you have to do is talk smack about the fact that their fans were excited after an ot win it's a joke it's an absolute joke like nikita kutrov is over the course of basically the playoffs since the start to the end has become like one of my least favorite players in the NHL. Like he's now top five like least favorite human beings in in the National Hockey League. Like it's just a friggin' joke. Like it's it's a mess. It's a total mess. Like there's a difference between being confident and just being an asshole. Especially when you're essentially like the reason that there was so much controversy in the first place you know what i'm saying like why why i just i don't get it i really don't it almost feels like an entitlement thing like he feels like it almost feels like the tampa bay was you know expecting it was almost like they felt like this was their cup and anything standing between them and their Stanley cup was like a joke almost like you know the put down on the Habs and then honestly by the way they acted on the ice like you know he taking those dives and getting his stick up and just honestly just all around being kind of an asshole like he just I don't know he just really like left a sour taste he's just not yeah I and it's not like the Sidney Crosby bad taste where he's just so good and, like, he used to complain a little. So, like, whatever. It's just like, no, you're just kind of a scumbag, bro. Like, you sat out, like, what, six weeks when you were healthy pretending to be hurt so you can come back in the playoffs and put your team over the fucking salary cap by over $12 million. Like, what? It's just unreal. Yeah, it really is a situation where... The, you know, That's I'm not expecting point, him to, like, come out and apologize for it, obviously. No. I'm not, you know, I'm not that stupid. I don't think Kucherov should come out and say, like, my bad for evading the salary cap. But by the same token, wouldn't you think he would sit down and have a little humility and be like, you know what, honestly, maybe what we did was a little scummy. So, like, instead of running my mouth, why don't I just give props and just, like, lay low for a little bit, you know? see but that would imply that he has like any level of integrity right because what hockey player is going to get healthy with six weeks left to go in the season and say no it's okay i'll sit out you know to me that shows like a lack of integrity on their part 
I mean, just because like, like you can't keep most hockey players off the ice when they're hurt. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, so imagine with you know, and they were in a pretty tight race for a little while there when he was injured. So I don't know why he wouldn't, why he'd be willing to sit out and wait. You know. Yeah, and that's also an organizational thing to me too. Like, Julian Brisebois has got to be one of like the scummier individuals in hockey at this point, you know. Because I'm not, there's no doubt in my mind he was like, hey, well, you know, if you sit out, we don't have to waive Tyler Johnson. So like, maybe your ankle starts to hurt a little bit this week and you can't come back yet. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's it's a joke. And, you know, for the Lightning fans that are going to be upset and start making comments, like, I get it. I'm not mad at you guys for going to bat for your team because it's your team and you have to do what you got to do. But as a hockey fan, you have to know that what your team did was, we'll say, questionable at best and actually damaging to the sport at worst. And it's just really unfortunate that a team that honestly didn't need to do this at all because they're good enough to win a Stanley Cup under the salary cap, you know, a team that didn't need to do what they did, stoop to the level that they did to kind of just leave a bad taste in everyone's mouth about the whole situation. So I don't know. It's just unfortunate. Um that that's really the case but you know i when i did my regular season wrap up um you know i kind of talked about what the season really like represented to me like every season you kind of look back and say well this was the season that this happened or you know this is what i remember most about this season so like what about this past season is really gonna like stick out to you the most honestly this might be the like the most anticlimactic see like season overall of hockey just because there really weren't any surprises in terms of like the teams that made the playoffs and won divisions right like minnesota was the biggest like surprise really to make the playoffs and they might lose kirill kaprizov now so who knows how like (laughs) that's really if that's really gonna stick or not yeah but i guess like otherwise it kind of shook out like almost exactly as we saw it right like Maybe a team overachieved a little bit here and there, but there was no, like, Cinderella runs outside of the Montreal Canadiens, and that was just they got red hot in the playoffs, and that was it, you know? Because through the first five games with Toronto, they looked, like, okay. They didn't look great. It wasn't until, like, the second half of that series where they caught fire and then won, you know, went all the way. Yeah, I think, you know, what I said about this past season – really represents to me is like i think this is the season where we saw at least in, in my recollection like the most controversies around the nhl um between you know the the tom wilson incidents with george paris and department of player safety uh, obviously the tampa lightning controversy um, the controversy about the officiating and the lack of or you know, I should say, the officiating or lack thereof. Um, Quality of the officiating. Yeah, like I just there's just a lot of 
Dude, this, like, I just don't remember any single season where I was logging on to Twitter every day and just seeing, like, some new controversy surrounding the NHL popping up, you know? Um, yeah, I know what you're saying. It's just a very, very bizarre season, but, you know, it's a season that I don't think will will register in my memory banks as long as last year's did, just because last year's was so bizarre. And, uh, you know, to your point, this year's, especially the ending just being so anticlimactic was just kind of a bummer, really. Well, I think the real thing was it with it was, like, the new divisions were kind of just throwaways. Like, people were talking about, like, oh, this, they're going to make new rivalries. And it's like, yeah, for one season. And then everyone's going back to their regular divisions and they're never going to see each other. So it doesn't really, you know, some games felt like, Especially when, like, teams are very clearly out of it. Like, when you have teams like Ottawa and Vancouver, and, like, they just got beat up night after night after night. It was just like, all right, like... It, it was it was kind of just hard to gauge which teams were for real and which ones weren't, because every division had, like, two or three teams that were, like, almost guaranteed wins at some point in this season, you know? And when you can get 12 free wins off those teams, it was just, like... It was just hard to tell. So, to me, it was really anticlimactic, because at the end of the day like it was you didn't know who was good and who wasn't you know like toronto looked like gangbusters and they lose to montreal in the first round like it was just such a crapshoot yeah and you know i'm very much looking forward next year to going back to a more like standard situation you know um getting to watch you know a lot more different matchups instead of every night just being like well what divisional matchup is it tonight you know like the divisional matchups are cool and all but i can't i don't want to watch the same team eight times a year anymore like it, it, you know i i get that they did what they had to do and i i, I totally appreciate the nhl going out of their way to make it happen which, by the way, you know, kudos, congratulations, the NHL for this season getting done. Um, Without any major hiccups, really. You know, outside of a really rough start for some teams like the Stars and a really, really, really rough patch for the Canucks, you know, they really pulled most of it off without any severe hitches. So, you know, congrats to the NHL for that. Um, you know, just a really, really good job dealing with everything going on but um you know somebody brought up you know obviously the situation would return to where every team plays every team in the league uh, at least twice like it was before right but, but somebody brought up you know, the idea that they could keep the current divisions would that be something that you were opposed to as well yeah i just think it doesn't make sense geographically honestly like you had the Tampa Bay teams in the Central Division. Like, they don't make much more sense being in the Atlantic, but at least, like, when you separate everything out, it's just, it's mostly not fair to the Canadian teams because half of them are on the West Coast, you know? So when you have, you know, Toronto, Ottawa, and Montreal having to travel to Calgary, Quebec, or Calgary, Winnipeg, and Edmonton and Vancouver, it's just, like, it's just kind of, like, defeats the purpose, like, I think the geographic rivalries that exist in the NHL are so strong that you might want to just keep them. And they put these original divisions, like, 
the old ones, I guess now that we're going back to together to try to maximize the division, like the geographic rivalries in the league. So I also think it'd be funny if Detroit, if they kept these, Detroit would be back in the West after fighting for I don't know how many years to get, <laughs> to, get to get out of the West. Yeah. So that's really just how I feel about it. I think like if the NHL is really serious and like they want to do more division-based rivalries and like they want to really reignite some like I guess fan passion now that fans are going to be allowed back these old the original divisions we had are probably our best bet because you're going to have teams like you know the division that the Rangers are in it includes you know four of our biggest rivals the only one that's really not there is Boston and we still play Boston four times a year because they're in the conference so you know what I mean yeah, it's. I think going back to the old division is is the way to go. Not to mention they took a player poll and like seventy eight percent of the players said they didn't want to keep the current divisions, <laughs> something crazy like that. So, I think there's pretty much no doubt they're going back to the old divisions, and I think it's better. Like you said, you know, a just in terms of like travel time, like you said, for the Canadian teams, it would just suck having to, you know, fly east west like four times a year. Or uh, three times a year, sorry, because we play each other six times. Um, that would just be like absolute trash, honestly, in terms of their travel budget. And, you know, you do lose some of those rivalries. Like, if you move the division around, like, you lose the Boston Montreal rivalry, you know, which is one of the best rivalries in the entire sport. So, I think the old division is the way to Toronto, go. Toronto Detroit rivalry, which is another great original six rivalry that exists, but. Boston, Toronto, aka. Well, now currently both teams can't really get out of the first two rounds, so you know. Mm. Um, yeah, I think it's better to go back to the old uh, divisions. I mean, they've already basically more or less announced that they're going to. I was just curious uh, what you would think, but you know, the only team that that kind of screws actually is the Phoenix Coyotes because <laughs> well, they get sent to the Central. <laughs> Because, you know, this hot shot new expansion team gets added to the Pacific and they get booted back to the Central that they hated being in because of all their travel expenses. So they get kind of shanked. But if we've learned anything, the league does not give a shit about the Arizona Coyotes. The only... (laughs) The well-being of that franchise. They only care about it when it comes to rumors about them being moved. Then the NHL will go to, like, hell and back to keep the Coyotes in Arizona for some reason. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they'll literally go to war with, like, heaven and hell in order to keep the team in Arizona. But as soon as they, like, make sure it stays, they're like, okay, yeah, you're on your own now. Goodbye. Goodbye. So, so. you know, I, I will say I'm very, very, very excited for this offseason because this offseason has so much potential for – insanity and we've already heard the rumors about jack eichel obviously now apparently vladimir tarasenko wants out he's apparently asked for a trade we have some super free agents essentially like dougie hamilton um who might be on the market yes so dougie hamilton and seth jones might be on his way out so you know what? What are you most looking forward to this off season? I mean, there's gonna be a busy off season between the expansion draft, you know, another entry draft, and then apparently like every big superstar just wants to get traded all at once. 
So, like, what are you most looking forward to this offseason? I think, honestly, it doesn't sound weird, but I think I want to see how teams, like, manage to fit under this cap. Like, I want to see what creative accounting teams come up with this time, you know? Because I don't think the league is going to let that long-term injured reserve loophole exist for too much longer. Like, there's no way they're going to let a team do what Tampa Bay did this year again, you know? So, I'm curious to see, like, how teams are going to find ways of fitting under the cap. And if maybe we're going to see, like, the D, like, contract values have been, like, inflating for so many years because the cap keeps going up and up and up, right? Yeah. But now that the the cap is stagnated and flat, I wonder if you're going to start seeing, like, the value of contracts regress a little bit, you know? Like, maybe the top-end stars are still going to be making their big money, but I wonder if we're going to see, like, almost, like, a wealth gap in the league now? Like, if it's going to affect the guys at the bottom, because otherwise most teams aren't going to be able to field NHL rosters if they can't, if these guys are going to ask for, like, what is considered fair value, you know? It's kind of, like, serendipitous almost in a way that the Seattle Kraken are coming in right now because we know that teams love to use expansion teams as as basically dumpsters <laughs> like for bad contracts so i imagine that it's going to be a very aggressive market to try to get in on that seattle kraken salary cap essentially so i i'm curious as to what the price of salary cap is going to be this season because last season we saw it hovering around second and third round picks is what teams like detroit and ottawa were getting for eating bad contracts. Thanks uh, again for eating Mark Stahl's contract. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, I wonder what it's going to be. This, like, can do you think we might see teams, like, trading bad contracts with, like, a first-round pick? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. There's some, there some really terrible contracts that some teams are really hard-pressed to get rid of, you know? So I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if teams like Minnesota are trying to take advantage, if LA isn't trying to take advantage to move out, maybe somebody like Dustin Brown. I mean, even the Islanders, I would be surprised if they weren't trying to make a move here. But I think the Islanders would be better off making like a three-way trade for Tarasenko because they he, they were on his list of, no, of teams. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting offseason for both, well, both really the Islanders and the Rangers, but for different reasons. You know, one, because the Islanders are so pressed up against the cap ceiling at this point you know it's like it's like we're right there on all these bad contracts coming off the books like we just need one or two more seasons but you know you're running out of time so well if you ask joe all the islanders need to do is trade leo komarov it's so easy yeah i wish it was that easy we need to dump <laughs> yeah. you know I, one of either jordan eberly josh bailey or nick letty is going this offseason because we can't afford that five million dollars on the books and i think the indication right now is that it's josh bailey who's going to be traded because we have some young forwards who need more playing time aka oliver washam Kiefer bellows etc etc right i think that bailey's going to be traded and I think we might try to pawn off the Leo Komarov contract onto the Seattle Kraken. And then even then, we're still going to be kind of butting heads with the roof <laughs> at that point. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the Islanders do this offseason. And then conversely for the New York Rangers, you know, 
if I pull up their cat friendly here, shout out to cat friendly, by the way, one of the best resources available. You know, the Rangers are currently going to be sitting on like $23 million in cap space. Um, you know, you have some contracts that are going to be decent hits to the to the books, like the Bushnevich contract, but nothing really honestly too crazy. So, you know, the Rangers on the opposite end of the spectrum are going to be kind of swimming in money, essentially. Um, I just hope they're smart with it. Well, I mean, what do you what are you looking forward to the Rangers doing? Like, what would you, what is on your wish list? I guess for this off season. Well, I mean, I guess. I mean, the, the Rangers. There's no It's no secret the Rangers need to get tougher, right? But the way I'm looking at it is like people are acting as if this Rangers team is at the like the very end of their rebuild, like ready to take that next step and be a Stanley Cup contender, which is usually when you start adding all of your grit and your like your grit and your toughness because you're looking to go deep and like you do need a little bit of grit here and there but like to me the obsession that the rangers have this offseason with adding grit really is starting to scare me (laughs) (laughs) because i'm worried that they're going to throw out the process and start drafting guys for reasons other than their talent it's kind of like what they did with leah sanderson at seventh overall they're like well he has the most. He's like the most ready to play now, but he's not the best player available. It's okay, but we're at the we're at the we're at the point where we should still be taking the best available players before we start drafting by position and stuff like that. That being said, I would like to see the Rangers maybe add a little bit more defensive depth up front, like forwards, like defensive forwards. Uh, losing Jesper Foss really kind of hurt, um, and I mean I don't know if there's really anything the Rangers need other than just time you know to grow into like the league a lot of these kids are rookies or their second year in the league and it doesn't help that like our veterans really didn't do anything to start the year so yeah so i mean obviously you have to sign igor shashurkin this year do you think that this is the last season we see alexander Georgiev on broadway unfortunately probably yeah so, if you're trading Yurgev, what are you looking to get back for him? Probably a number three center. Like a bona fide number three. Do you have anyone like particular in mind? I mean, like Tyson Jost's name has been thrown around recently out of uh, Colorado. I wouldn't mind. I mean, the Rangers could use a number two center, and a guy like Nazem Kadri would be really nice, but... You know, if the Rangers' goal is to make the playoffs, then you should probably should stay away from Kodrick. As soon as the calendar clicks over to the playoffs, it becomes a heat-seeking missile. <laughs> I, you know, it's a, that's another team that's going to be very interesting to watch uh, this offseason is the Colorado Avalanche. That's the big question, right? Like, what do you do with Philip Grubauer, who's apparently, you know, uh, a, a, hot, a hot topic over there in Colorado? They're apparently wanting to trade Nazem Kadri, which the ironic part is a team like the Colorado Avalanche in that series uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights, and just in general, a team as skilled as the Colorado Avalanche need a center like Nazem Kadri. The problem is he's never on the ice. <laughs> like he can't help you win a Stanley Cup when he's watching from the press box. So no. The question then becomes: Do you trade Nazem Kadri 
to then, I guess, just sign another center just like him. I mean, it's possible, I guess. You're just like, well, we want Kadri, but just not him. Like, Well, I mean, if Montreal is as serious about letting Philip Deneau walk as it seems like they are, then, I mean, he's a great replacement to have if I'm Colorado, you know? Which I don't understand now. Like, why would you let him go? Because Mark Bergevin's got a big plan that, you know, none of us can seem to decipher. I guess it's also a good question is, you know, I always ask this whenever the teams get eliminated, but what does the end of this season really mean for Montreal? Like, where do they stand realistically going into next season? Or even going into this offseason? I mean... If I'm them, I'm looking, and I have any money, I'm looking to add up front. Like they need some firepower because defensively they were amazing all playoff long, but they just couldn't score goals, man. Like, and you saw like they str- they struggled, they struggled against every team they played to score goals for the most part. But like they really struggled against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Like it was bad. You know, I hate to sound like a Debbie Downer and like a doubting Thomas or anything. But I think Montreal should look at this last season's run realistically and say, yeah, we need to make this team better because if we come back with the same roster, this isn't happening again. I mean, let's be honest here. If this was a regular season, in the NHL, they would not have been in the playoffs. They probably would have been on the outside looking in based on points because the Lightning, Panthers, and Leafs would have taken the top three spots, and then the Bruins would have taken a wild card, and then the Islanders, Penguins, Capitals, and Hurricanes would have taken four spots in the Metro. So the Canadians would have been on the outside looking in. They never would have even been in the playoffs. So to your point, I think Mark Bergevin needs to look at this and say, well, we can't just sit back and say we have a great team because honestly, we really kind of don't. <laughs> like, we got hot at the right time, yes, but if this team goes back out on the ice in a regular season, we wouldn't be in the playoffs. So I know that I was a guy last season who was saying that in the offseason, Montreal needs to tear it down and rebuild and to a certain extent, I still think that the window for Montreal really never opened, honestly. The window kind of just cracked a little bit. And they're, they're kind of looking at like a ray of sunshine coming through. And that ray of sunshine is called Carey Price's Twilight Years. And as soon as that ray of sunshine goes away, aka as soon as Carey Price starts to decline, like that window's going to slam shut again. Um, but I guess, you know, there's no harm in really trying to take advantage of the window while it's kind of there so i mean they definitely need scoring up front i mean that's that's no doubt there's not if there's any one team in the nhl besides the islanders who need scoring up front it's the montreal canadians and i would love for them to just go out and get a second line center and just throw a line of suzuki caulfield and you know some other random second liner out there because like how good were suzuki and caulfield in the playoffs man like God, they were just so electric. I mean, that's what I'm, that's why I'm saying like Montreal really has to be smart here. They can't sell the farm 
right now. Like they still have a lot of young guys that they're looking to work into the lineup. So if they take a step backwards next year, which is, is almost inevitable, right? Like there's no way they're going to get to the top of the mountain again next year. It's just going to be very hard in that division that they're going to be in. So like the inevitable step backwards next year shouldn't be seen, in my opinion, as like something to like pull the lever and you know sound the alarm over. It's it should just be natural because realistically their goal next season should be just to make the playoffs you know because in the Atlantic division it's going to be significantly harder than because you don't have Vancouver and Ottawa to beat up on 16 times or whatever the hell it was you know (laughs) yeah you're also not just only fighting within your division for a playoff spot no now you have to worry about the, the metro division which seems kind of stacked you know let's let's be honest here most of the teams in the metro are going to be the same if not better than they were last year like we're kind of forgetting that the flyers kind of took a season off for some reason so if the flyers are as good as they should be on paper you know the metro is really going to have five teams you know islanders penguins capitals hurricanes flyers and then you add obviously the rangers into that mix who again you know much much like last season just they turned the clock on a little bit too late unfortunately and they kind of just ran out of runway you're gonna have six teams in the metro vying for those three playoff spots plus honestly the metro might be good enough to take the other two away from the atlantic so you know you're not just contending with the underperforming Calgary Flames and the underperforming Vancouver Canucks. Now you have to contend with the other divisions, which are just as good. So, you know, I, I'm i not going to sit here and tell you that them getting to the Stanley Cup Finals was a fluke because they earned it. They earned every single step. I mean, for them to go out and do what they did and come back from 3-1 to one down against the Maple Leafs, sweep the Winnipeg Jets, and then beat the Vegas Golden Knights is nothing short of spectacular i mean it was a miracle right they had their miracle miracle run they just ran out of magic right at the end and to be fair the magic they lost was called 18 million dollars over the salary cap (laughs) right right exactly and like when they played honest hockey teams they beat them yeah yeah and you know it's not like you know, it's not like the the Lightning were eighteen million dollars over the salary cap because of some like schleb player who's making like eight million dollars on a bad contract. Like, it was Nikita Kucherov, and he made a significant difference in the Tampa Bay Lightning's run. So, you know, again, I'm not saying it's a fluke, but what I'm saying is you can't look at that result and say, well, we expect the same core to return the same results because it's not going to happen. No. And I think that as the Canadiens, you know, you have you're at a crossroads again this off season. You either need to make a decision to go for it, and you go all in, or you make a decision to say, well, you know, we got this far, but maybe let's start to transition into the next phase. And I think what you do is you go into next season, you sell out, try to you know buff the team and if they fail next season then you can take your step back and say well okay carry price is 34 shea weber's 36 petrie's 34 
maybe this is time we start to transition this organization but um speaking of transitions though how good would a guy like dougie hamilton look in uh, montreal i mean it would it would solve a lot of their problems because their power play was not good dougie hamilton is nothing if not a poor power play quarterback you know i mean that blue line would be absolutely stacked like It'd be AIDS, bro. Oh my god. <laughs> like you're telling me you have you a move blue Petrie line. Your number two unit. Yeah, you have a blue line of Weber, Hamilton, Petrie, Sherratt, Edmondson, Romanov. Hello. Like, that, that also includes Victor Bette, who was caught yeah, this year. He's he's in Ottawa now. <laughs> oh, that's right. You're right. He got waived. Yeah. <laughs> They waved him. He's in Ottawa. They he's gave a, up on him. Like, yeah. apparently he's just a bust. Like, I don't know what happened to this kid. Like, he was one of the best defensemen the Canadians had two seasons ago, and now he's just, like, fell off It looks kind of like Adam Larson almost. Like, Adam Larson had a really similar, like, career to me. He came over. He had, like, that meteoric rise, and then got, well, instead of getting waved, he got traded. But then he was just never the same player. But I wonder if, like, in Victor Mate's case specifically, I wonder if they got, like, blinded by how amazing he was like in his rookie season and how like above water he was playing you know that like their expectations just never came back down to earth because he i don't think he did that terribly in ottawa from what i saw it might have also been a case of he was the best player on a bad team so he shined excessively because essentially he was like a gold coin in a pile of turds like you're gonna be I mean, like how many oh, times hey. have we seen that <laughs> you're gonna be like hey that's a gold coin even though it's only worth one gold it's still a lot better than sticking my hand in dog poop yeah i'm trying to think like what, what was another player that had that kind of like that that happened to recently that like got a lot of hype just because they were really good on a bad team and then they went somewhere else and just flopped uh oh i'm thinking i know it's the um Gosh darn it. The guy from Columbus. Not Nick Foligno. I mean, to a certain extent, kind of Nick Foligno. But, um... Oh, Ryan DeZinkle? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's in Carolina now. Who's not a bad yeah. player, but, like, everyone's like, he's the next 40-goal scorer. It's like, what? Like, he scored 25 goals once. <laughs> like... Like what? What are we talking about? Why? Why is he the next Wayne Gretzky? I missed it. Like, the problem was at the dead. Like the problem was that he had that great year and a year that everybody knew Ottawa was getting ready to sell everything. I mean, it was great for Ottawa. Ottawa got to sell really fucking high on him, you know. Yeah. They were able to send him and Matthew Shane to Columbus. Um. What? Sorry, what were you gonna say? So I was gonna say, isn't the expansion draft what next week? The week after? I can tell you right now, because I actually bookmarked the expansion draft. Um so yeah, that is actually something, you know, like I've I've been mentioning over and over again, um, to keep an eye on this channel because we will be doing a live reaction to the expansion draft. It is uh July twenty first. And the NHL entry draft is two days after that. <laughs> so, um, we will be doing like a live reaction to the expansion draft because I don't think it's going to be that long, honestly. 
like maybe an hour, which is kind of yeah, like... Yeah, it was only like an hour last time because it's only the 31 picks. Which is kind of like average length for our podcasts anyway. So we're doing a live reaction to the expansion draft. And then obviously after that, we'll do the same thing as last year. We'll do the live reaction to the uh, top 10 picks in the NHL entry draft. But, um, you know, what do you think, I guess, you know, continuing with this theme of like, I guess we're doing like an off-season preview kind of situation. You know, what do you expect out of the Seattle Kraken? Like, do you think we're going to end up with another team like the Vegas Golden Knights where it's kind of like a middling mix of mid-six players who put it together? Or do you think we're going to see a more traditional expansion I think this one's going to be a little more traditional of an expansion because I don't think general managers are going to be nice this time around. I mean... For that that Vegas draft was kind of wild. Like teams were kind of just handing them players. It all it seemed like like they got Riley Smith and Jonathan Marchessault from Florida. For some reason, like so, the way George McPhee was able to kind of fleece teams in last time around, I don't think it's gonna happen this time. I think general manager, I mean general managers now are gonna be a little more savvy about who they have to protect. I mean, the league has made it. E- like easier for these ex- transition these expansion teams to make the transition into the NHL. I mean, if you look at like the expansion teams from like the seventies and eighties, like they were winning like maybe fifteen games a year. Like they were terrible. So the NHL is like guaranteed that that's never going to happen again. These teams are going to be somewhat competitive right off the bat, but I don't. I just don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. I don't see. I really don't see anybody like out there that's going to pop off the same way that like guys like William Carlson and Riley Smith and March so did for Ve- Vegas in that first year. I mean, they might end up with Marc-Andre Fleury again, which would be interesting, <laughs> but you know. Exactly. Um, I, I don't really know which way it's going to go. To me, it can go one of two ways. Either GMs are going to be scared of doing what they did in the Vegas draft, which is giving up, like, essentially a team full of middle six forwards. Um, and maybe they'll be a little bit, like you said, smarter about who they're protecting, a little bit more savvy with the trades, you know, instead of trading you guys essentially two middle six forwards to not take my top six forward. Maybe I'll just let you take one of them, you know. Um yeah. Either that, or I could actually see going the opposite direction and the Seattle Kraken ending up with a team of what I would call good players with bad contracts and surprising a lot of people maybe in their first year um, with a playoff run just because they will have some players that are good players, just contracts that teams can't afford anymore. Um, But I don't think that they're going to be set up for sustained immediate success like the Vegas Golden Knights are because of how many bad contracts teams are going to try to pawn off on them? Well, I mean, to be fair to the Vegas Golden Knights, too, the Vegas Golden Knights when were realistically only set up for that one season of success and then just by way of acquiring every big-name free agent to hit the market almost have made themselves <laughs> into a perennial contender. Right. They essentially, New York yankee their way into the playoffs, but it is what it is, right? As an expansion team, like, they, they do what you got to do, I guess. Yeah, I'm just I'm not sure what which way it's going to go. I could see it going either way with Seattle. I honestly even if they don't end up with the best team, I mean all things considered, that Pacific Division is going to be rough. 
I I could see them if they get the right mix of players getting into the top three because who in that division is really you have to worry about? I mean, you have to worry about the Edmonton Oilers just in the regular season anyway, obviously, because um, Connor McDavid in a regular season is just Wayne Gretzky reincarnated. You got to worry about the Vegas Golden Knights. Maybe potentially have to worry about the flames or the canucks i think the canucks are poised for a big offseason now that a lot of their bad contracts are off the books i think la is probably gonna have a stronger showing because those young players are only gonna start getting better la apparently might just be going like all in on this season and i don't know why like because because oh my god i you know i hate that i hate when like teams that have a little like have tasted a little bit of success think like they're like the pin like they have the, all of a sudden they have this winning mentality where like they have to be winning constantly it's like okay listen i get why montreal fans feel entitled to win stanley cups they've won 25 of them like you've earned the right to be entitled but like when teams like the kings and stuff are like oh we're going all in we're returning to our winning tradition i'm like what winning tradition you won your first stanley cup like seven years ago like <laughs> it's not like you have this long history of winning and tradition like I also don't understand why they would want to jeopardize their process when they have consistently been ranked the number one prospect pool in the NHL. You know? Like, why would you risk that in trading? Because they've been linked to Jack Eichel a lot recently, and it's like, why would you trade away guys like Akil Thomas or fucking... Um, why can't they think of Gabriel Velarde or Turcotte or any of these guys... For a guy in Jack Eichel, listen, I know you're getting a... You know what you're getting in Jack Eichel as opposed to those young players, but Jack Eichel has, has played, like, one or two full NHL seasons in the last five years. He's been injured a lot, so I don't... And also just don't think he would fit with the LA Kings, so... I don't know. LA's in a weird spot. I could see them being competitive, though, back to what I original point. Like, not, like, making the playoffs, but at least being, like, in the mix for most of the season. I, I think that... My only issue with them acquiring Jack Eichel is the fact that there's very clearly a hierarchy of succession put into place by the LA Kings, right? They have Anze Kopitar, and then they basically drafted Anze Kopitar 2.0 in Quentin Byfield, another big, heavy, checking center who has the offensive talent to put up the points. So why would you then trade for Jack Eichel, who... Let's, you know, who knows how much longer Anze Kopitar is going to be playing. Let's say he even plays for another three years. What are you going to do if Quentin Byfield is ready next year? And now you have Eichel and Kopitar eating up the minutes. So now you can't play Byfield with Kopitar because, I mean, you could stick Col- uh, like Byfield on a third line at that point, but wouldn't it make more sense to teach Byfield the ropes by having him play more closely alongside of Kopitar, maybe giving him some more power play time and maybe second line minutes here and there against some tough matchups just to be like, hey, here's what it takes to shut down these guys. But then what do you do with Jack Eichel? Do you put him on the third line? Like, you're not doing that. It's just a very odd idea to me for a team that, let's be honest here, the LA Kings are very much in the same position as the Montreal Canadiens, in my opinion. A older team with some core pieces that, if they get hot at the right time, could definitely go on a run. But really, what are the odds of that? You know, like you have to look at it realistically and say, 
is it worth going all in on Jack Eichel, trading away the three first-round picks and a prospect that we need to give up for him just to not make the playoffs? Like, eh, you know? I don't know. I, I think the mm. LA Kings just aren't thinking. <laughs> no, but from what I understand, the Jack, the asking price for Jack Eichel apparently is just too steep and most teams have bailed out on it now. So who knows what goes on there. I think that the Buffalo Sabres are playing an incredibly dangerous game, honestly. And I think that they're trying to price teams out of the market so that they can say, well, we tried, but we just couldn't trade Jack for what he's worth. So then what are you going to have? A disgruntled Jack Eichel who hates your entire franchise because you wouldn't let him get a surgery that he felt he needed to, which is a not a hockey issue at that point. It's a deeply personal issue. So you're just going to have an angry, pissed-off Jack Eichel playing on a team he doesn't care for. And then what? He he plays like he doesn't care anymore. His value goes down, and then you're just losing trade value at that point until he forces you to trade him away. Like, I think that... They're playing a game of chicken with him, and I don't think it's going to work. No, because I think the rest of the NHL is smart enough to say, well... Let's be honest here. Let's If Jack Eichel goes out next season and he only puts up like 60, 70 points, we know it's not because he can't put up more points. It's because he, A, isn't playing with anybody, and B, doesn't care anymore. Like, every team in the NHL is still going to want him, but that they know that you have to trade him at some point, so they're going to play hardball with you. You know, I think that this is really the best opportunity for the Buffalo Sabres to get as close to fair market value for a guy of his talents as possible. Because you're never going to get fair market value for a guy Jack Eichel. But I think this is as close as you're going to get him coming off a season where everyone knows he's kind of mad. So, like, they're going to lowball you a little bit because he came off an injured season. But, like, you're still trading for Jack Eichel. So, like, you know, as opposed to, like, what if he gets hurt again next year? Or what if he doesn't care and he looks like he doesn't care? You know, I think the Buffalo Sabres are playing a very stupid game, in my opinion because they clearly want to keep him but why like why would you want to screw over jack eichel which sends just a great message by the way to any prospective young kids and free agents that are coming to your town hey we don't care about you we're gonna tell you you can get a surgery you can't get a surgery because that's what we do here in buffalo and then we're gonna force you to stay here like is that this was Imagine they'd won the Connor McDavid lottery, and this was Connor McDavid they were doing this to. Like, it's not a good look. <laughs> like, would you want to sign in Buffalo after all this nonsense? Oh, absolutely not. This has been some of the worst management I've ever seen from a team. I just... I think that they need to trade Jack Eichel. And I know that you always want to keep a guy that puts butts in seats... And you want to keep a guy to have a face of the franchise. But let's be honest here. You've not just messed up your hockey relationship with him. You've shattered the bridge of a personal relationship with Jack Eichel. Like, that bridge is gone because of what you've done to him. Yeah, I don't know how you can come back from that, to be honest. The only way I can see that bridge being repaired is with new ownership and a new GM, new head coach. I think, like, if every level of management gets rearranged, then you might have a shot. But otherwise, 
if the Pagulas are still in office, and if that bonehead meathead that they have up in the GM's office is still there, it's not happening. I don't care how many head coaches you hire. Like, which is probably been like what four or five now. Which you know, it's funny because everyone started talking about like, is Jack Eichel a coach killer? It's like, I just think that co- the roster of the whole entire Buffalo Sabres organization is a coach killer. Like. The GM. And what's the coach like, supposed to do when they're icing a team that bad? Yeah, like the GM basically hands you like a paper napkin with ham scraps and a spork and says, "Here, make me a five star, five course meal." And then when you return to him a happy meal, he gets mad about it. Like, you're not giving me anything to work with. I don't know. Buffalo's kind of. They're mess. Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, they're they're Buffalo. But they are a team to watch this offseason. There are several teams to kind of keep an eye on this offseason. Like I mentioned, I think the Canucks might be in a position, you know, most of their bad contracts are coming off the books. You know, they've got still a couple ones that they have to wait for, like next year. Both the Louis Erickson and the Roberto Luongo cap recapture penalty will be completely off the books. Um, the Holpe contract comes off the book, which is not a bad contract, but, you know, you can bring up uh, Michael DiPietro at that point. Um, and then, you know, the Roussel contract, that comes off the books next year. So, yeah, you know, a lot of your more questionable contracts are, are due up soon. Um, so I think that this year and then especially next season, uh, the Canucks are kind of in for some big, big moves. I expect the Oilers to be active in the goaltender market. I hope, please, for the love of God. Um, you know, I guess before we kind of start to wrap up, um, who are you most going to be watching besides the Rangers this offseason? Hmm. Probably, honestly, the Oilers and the Maple Leafs. I want to see, like, I want to see how Toronto manages to build or what kind of half-assed scheme they come up with to ice a roster this year. <laughs> and Edmonton, I want to see if they actually finally you know, decide to try to help Connor or not. So you're looking for maybe a goaltender in Edmonton, some defense, yeah, something? Yeah, pro- a goaltender, probably some more depth up front. I mean, they've been linked to Zach Hyman, which I think is a good move for them. Um. Toronto, who knows, bro? I don't even know what I'm looking for from Toronto. I'm just curious <laughs> to see what Kyle Dubas comes up with in that, like, harebrain of his, bro. Like, he's going to come up with some backwards-ass logic to sign a guy like Taylor Hall and be like, he's going to make us a better defensive team. It's like, what? Look at, his, what? look at his defensive advanced statistics. Look at his course eye numbers. It's like, yeah, but, like, he's not a defensive player. Okay. I mean, they've apparently been talking, like, some rumors are flying around. Like, very unconfirmed, not from any real reputable sources, but, like, there's been talk amongst, you know, hockey fans in general about Mitch Marner getting moved, which would, like, why would you move Mitch Marner? But Why would you trade your best player? When you don't have to, because he's clearly happy playing in Toronto. Like he loves playing with Austin Matthews. So, bro, he you he says you can tell he loves it. He's like one of the only guys on the ice that actually cares every night. And everyone's like, why isn't Mitch Marner scoring goals in the playoffs? It's like I don't know, because he's a playmaker. 
that was my favorite. They're like, why doesn't he have any power play, like power play goals? And you look at it, and it's like like sixteen power play assists, and Austin Matthews like sixteen power play goals. It's like, oh, I wonder why he doesn't have any goals. Like, we're not sitting here asking why Nick Backstrom isn't scoring goals. Why the hell would you expect Mitch Marner to score goals? Like, it's like being like, yo, Hank Sedin's a real good hockey player and all, but like, he just doesn't score goals. Like, the man <laughs> put up a hundred points by way of scoring like ninety-seven assists. Like, what? Yeah, he just doesn't score though. He's just not good enough. Prime time Joe Thornton, bro, just didn't score enough goals. I don't know what to tell you. Just not good to turn Jonathan Chichu into a fifty-goal score. Not good enough. So I mean, I I'll be watching the Leafs just because it's always fun to watch the Leafs. Um, I'm interested to see what the the Blackhawks do this off season. I'm curious to see if they, you know, getting healthy, they take the results of last season and say, hey, maybe if we were fully healthy, we can make something out of this team. So I'm curious to see if they're pulling any strings behind the scenes. Um, so I think the Leafs, the Blackhawks, with a with a taste of Edmonton Oilers watching because. For the love of Christ, please, please sign a goaltender that's not named Mike Smith and isn't some plug. Like, don't go out and sign, like... I'm probably going to sign Big Save Dave. Uh, I, I guess I wouldn't be super angry, but I would be disappointed. Like, can we actually get, like, a competent starting goaltender in Edmonton? I don't care how... Oh, Freddie like, Anderson. Yeah, like... I, Honestly, like I don't care that Mike Smith actually got a Vesna vote, and I don't care that his stats weren't that good. D did not do what he needed to do, and he he looked like absolute toss pot in the playoffs. Like I mean, he's part of the reason they got blown off the ice in the first round again. This isn't a team like the New York Rangers are at this point, who are looking at players and say, "Well, you know." They would be nice in the playoffs, but really we're focused on the regular season because we're taking that next step. Like, you should be acquiring players and specifically goalies who have a history of playoff success because Mike Smith did what he always does, which is get into the playoffs and then, like, kind of fall apart. Like, I think he had one deep run with the Coyotes, and the rest of the time he was just falling apart left, right, and center. So it's like... I don't know. Maybe can we get a goalie that like doesn't choke in the playoffs? <laughs> like, I mean, that would be smart though. That would that would imply Ken Holland still knows what he's doing. Which I don't understand why Ken Holland of all people doesn't get that concept. Considering he went from you know Osgood to Hasek to Osgood back to fucking Jimmy Howard. Yeah, I don't know. It's almost like having good goaltending was always a bedrock of those winning teams he had. So. I don't know, but it's going to be interesting offseason. Do you have any final thoughts to say on the 2020-2021 NHL season as a whole? No, I don't think so. I mean, it was uh, definitely different. Definitely different. Definitely different, definitely unique. Um, You know, I'm glad that we were able to get to a full season and I'm very, very excited for next season. Probably one of my most anticipated seasons ever, I think. Really ever, probably since, I would say, 2015 when the Islanders started acquiring all those players. You know, one of my most anticipated seasons ever. I'm very, very much looking forward to next season. Um, so, quick schedule update. You know, we will be doing a live expansion draft reaction to the Seattle Kraken. 
we will be doing a live top 10 picks reaction to the NHL entry draft. Obviously, we will be discussing, we will be doing some preview episodes like uh, free agency previews and then our free agency discussions as that goes along. Um, and then if there's some dead time here and there, we might throw out some funny random episodes like we did last year, like when we talked about uh, international teams and stuff like that. So um, definitely keep your ears glued to the ground. Keep your eyes glued to the Twitter account and the channel because we'll be posting updates there. Um, again, I want to thank everyone who watched any or listened to any of this podcast at all this season. Um, our second full season down in the books. Looking forward to our third season next year. Kind of crazy to think that we're already going to be on our third season of this podcast next season. Um, but, you know, bigger and better things are coming. Maybe next season we can work out a way to do some video with the podcast. I mean, this season we already took the transition from just being on YouTube to the streaming platform. So that was a big step for us. Um, you know, maybe we'll try to work in some video things for next season um, maybe we'll try to get some interviews maybe i don't know uh as covid kind of relaxes maybe we could uh get some interviews or maybe some phone interviews with some local players or something like that i don't know it's going to be in the works um definitely want to keep getting bigger and better uh with the podcast for you guys so again i just want to thank everyone who appeared on this podcast obviously steve and tim and any of our friends that were on the podcast this year I want to thank everyone who watched or listened to any episode, really. Um, and like I said, next episode will be the start of our 2021-2022 NHL season podcast. So um, for the last time for this season, until, what, like two, three weeks from now for the expansion draft, I want to, like that. I want to thank you guys for watching, and we will see you guys again next time.